Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. The whole world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the world, each one, went to his own town to be registered. And so also Joseph went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. Now when the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go up to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard the shepherd's words were amazed and wondered. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Luke the evangelist to record these words. We believe these words not only had power in the day that Luke wrote them, but that these words have power this night, this Christmas Eve, because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, open this word for us now that we would be changed more and more to be like the Christ child. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. It's a joy to worship together with all of you here on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Now, you know, I'd expect a bit better from the 8 o'clock service on that. I mean, by the 10 o'clock service, they've been celebrating for a few hours, so they're a little slow on, uh, on the queue. But let's try that again. Merry Christmas. That sounds like 8 o'clock. It's a joy to worship together. You know, what's amazing about Christmas is that the story is the same every year. Right? Every year we come and we hear that same Christmas gospel read to us. 
But here's what's incredible, is every year we find, again, the inexhaustible nature of this story. There's always something more to discover in this story for us. I mean, on this night, we're not just celebrating a birth. We're not just celebrating a baby. But we're celebrating the birth of a king. And what I would ask us to consider tonight is the question, why do we celebrate a birth of a king? Because if we're honest, we've suffered under a lot of kings. We all, in different ways, have suffered under poor human kings, poor leaders, poor uses of power. We've all been at different times abused, neglected, deceived, taken advantage of by those who are set in leadership over us, those who've abused their power. We we see this right in the beginning of the story in in chapter 2, verse 1, that Caesar Augustus sends a decree that gets the entire world moving, right? Including this poor pregnant couple have to uproot from where they are and move because of a decree from a leader, from a Caesar, from a king far off. The whole world is moving and they're moving because of a census. And why do kings take census? Oh, they've always taken it for the same reasons, for the purposes of taxation and conscription. So the king will know how many people he's got to take money from and how many he can send off to fight his wars. We see what it is like to live under poor kings. So why do we celebrate this birth? I grew up in a political family, a very political family. Yes, we have politics in Canada. They're just just a little different than here. And though my dad held some very, very top political positions in that country, I'll always remember that in his office, he hung this cartoon and it said this, it's a father speaking to a son and it says, son, one of these days you'll realize that the people capable of truly running this country are too smart to get into politics. We don't just suffer under imperfect political leaders though. We've all suffered under imperfect Business leaders, imperfect celebrity leaders, imperfect leaders even within our own families. So why do do billions of people this night celebrate the birth of another king? Well, it's because this king is unlike any other king. No king is like this king. And we see that most clearly if we recognize the presence of shepherds in this story. You see, Luke includes the shepherds in this story, not just to indicate that this king has come for the lowly and for the poor and for the sinful, but the fact that he includes shepherds here is to remind us, as we see all the way through Scripture, all the way through the Bible, that the Christ, which means the anointed king, the Christ to come is going to be a shepherd. This king who we've awaited is to be a shepherd king, one who will lead us as a shepherd. You remember the magi, the wise men that come to Jerusalem asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And and they call together all the great scribes and Bible teachers together and they come up with the answer. The answer is right in scripture. The answer is in Micah chapter 5. 
Micah, who was a contemporary of Isaiah. And we read these words. This is where the king is to be born. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This king is like no other king because he exercises his kingship as a shepherd. That's why the shepherds are here. We see it all simply in one verse. Verse 8. You all wonder what's in this, don't you? I swear it was water when it began. There you are, Lord, once again. In verse 8, we see the shepherds in this story. And as we look at verse 8 and see what these shepherds are doing, these just very normal, ordinary, shepherdly acts, we get a picture of how this king will lead us. You see, we see that this shepherd king watches over his sheep. He guards, protects, takes care of his sheep. But not only does he watch over his sheep, the king we celebrate tonight wants his sheep He wants to be shepherd. He wants to care for us. But not only is this shepherd king one who watches over his sheep and wants his sheep, but for our purposes, especially tonight, this is a shepherd king who is with his sheep. See, the shepherd king watches over his sheep. Verse 8, they were out keeping watch over their flocks. This is the shepherdly act, keeping watch, which is language of protection, taking care, fending off danger, predators, wild animals. We think in terms of probably the most famous shepherd example in scripture, which is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me on right pathways. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads my right pathways for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? The language of the shepherd watching over is the one of protection, caring. But here's what's really important we recognize. That this shepherd king not only is watching over us against the external predators, but oh, do we have to worry about the internal predators. See, sheep not only have fierce wolves out to get them. Sheep also do stupid things all by themselves. They wander. Sheep wander. And they wander right into danger. And the shepherd watching over the sheep is also watching us do our dumb sheep things. The things that are broken within us, he's watching over us. And oh, we need a shepherd to watch over the dumb things we will do. It reminds me of in Canada... When we uh, watch hockey, most of us, uh, unless you live in Toronto, love to loathe the Toronto Maple Leafs as a hockey team. Uh, To to give the equivalent, I think, for American football, it's kind of like how you all feel about the New England Patriots. So that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. So so the story goes like this. This man is in a car driving down the road, and, you know, just for fun, every time he sees someone wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, he just swerves the car near the curb and then swerves away, right? He's just having fun with them, right? Never hitting them, but getting close, meant to scare them. I know this is a terrible joke. It's going somewhere. But he's driving along doing this with all the Toronto Maple Leaf sweaters, and then all of a sudden he sees his own parish priest on the side of the road, so he pulls over and says, Oh, Father... Can I, can I give you a lift somewhere? 
And the priest says, sure, thank you. So he gets in and, and they're driving together. And a little ways down the road, obviously the man has forgotten the priest is in the car because he sees another Toronto Maple Leaf sweater wearer and steers towards him and swerves away. But this time here's a terrible thud. And he looks around and then he remembers the priest is there and says, oh, Father, I am so sorry. I nearly hit that Maple Leaf fan. And the father says, oh, don't worry, my son. I got him with the door. See, the fact that I think that joke is funny shows how broken a sheep I am. We are broken and we need someone to watch over us, someone to guide us and correct us. This shepherd king is the one who knows we are prone to wander into danger. And this is the one that in Luke chapter 15, we are told, will leave the 99 sheep to seek after the one who has wandered off. And when he finds that one, will put that sheep on his shoulders, carry that sheep home. And not only that, but will then throw a party to celebrate. The sheep I have lost has come home. This is the character and nature of this shepherd king. He watches over us. But not only does he watch over us, the shepherd king wants us. He, he wants to be our shepherd. See, verse 8 goes on to say that they're watching over their flock, their flock. It's the language of ownership, their own, which means that they know the flock they care for. They know the sheep. They know what the sheep are like. They know that sheep can be awkward biting, kicking, smelly, difficult creatures. The shepherd is fully aware of exactly who the sheep are and he still wants to be their shepherd. I love this description by Friedrich Biegner, a 20th century theologian who describes a modern day shepherd in rural Vermont. He, he writes this about the care of the shepherd. He says, some of the sheep the shepherd gave names to and to some of them he didn't, but he knew them all equally well. Either way, if one got lost, he didn't have a moment's peace until he found it again. If one of them got sick or hurt, he would move heaven and earth to get it well again. He would feed them out of a bottle when they were newborn lambs, if for some reason the mother wasn't around or wouldn't own them. He always called them in at the end of the day so the wild dogs wouldn't get them. I've seen him wade through snow up to his knees with a bale of hay in each hand to feed them on a bitter cold winter evening. And I've stood with him in their sheep pen with a 40-watt light bulb hanging down from the low ceiling to light their timid, greedy, foolish, half-holy faces as they pushed and butted each other to get at the hay. This is the gospel that you and I are timid, greedy, foolish, half-holy sheep. And Jesus wants to be our shepherd. He knows us and wants us. That's the kind of king this is. This shepherd king will grow up and one day say to his disciples in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me, and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, this shepherd king not only watches over his sheep and not only wants his sheep, but this shepherd king 
especially for our purposes on Christmas Eve, this shepherd king is with his sheep. Verse 8 goes on to say that he's out in the field. They're in the field with their sheep. In the night. That the shepherd goes with the sheep, walks with them, dwells with them, stays with them, even in the darkness. And each of us knows what it is to experience that darkness. Each of us knows what it is to feel alone and to feel rejected and to feel like we can't accomplish anything. Mother Teresa once said that loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Now, many religions and other voices in our culture will tell you the answer of how you can uh, be less lonely, how you can feel better about yourself, that you, you need to go in a self-improvement direction, you need to make yourself more lovable, that you need to go on some heroic feat or some great journey or acquire some personal great morality, and then perhaps you will meet God. Maybe at that point you'll find enlightenment. You'll be lovable. But the gospel of Christmas Eve tells us that God meets us in that darkness as we are in that place of brokenness, in our pain, in our questions, in our fears, and he comes to where we are. He is in the field with his sheep. He's in the sheep pen. He's in the dark with us. We do not need to climb up and find God. God has come down and found us. As Isaiah says, a contemporary of that Micah prophet, and Isaiah 7, 14 says, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, the king with us. I think I saw this most clearly in our own family recently where just a few weeks ago, we bought our two-year-old mini schnauzer Levi uh, a, a Christmas sweater, right? We thought, why should he be left out? And so we bought Levi a Christmas sweater, and it was cute. We bought it because it was cute, and we put it on him. But here's what's amazing. Something miraculous happened. We put this sweater on him because we thought it was cute. But Levi, who has already proved in two years to be a very scrappy, scratchy, bitey, nippy, aggressive little beast. <laughs> when that sweater was put on him, immediately calmed down, chilled out, relaxed. You could pick him up, no growling. You could, you could cuddle him and get close, no growling, no biting, no scratching. This was a different dog. And then we realized we'd bought an anxiety sweater. These exist. You know what these are? These, these animals, that it's known that they, especially when they're little, little animals are prone to this, can feel a great deal of anxiety. They feel small. They feel afraid. They feel like they're alone. And suddenly when you put this anxiety sweater, the tightness of the sweater helps that animal feel that they're being held. And as they're held, as they have that comforting presence around them, they calm down. They're a different dog. 
I'm pretty sure I need an anxiety sweater. (laughs) But we have something so much more. We have the gospel. The gospel which tells us that as this shepherd king grows up, as he walks through his 33 years of life on earth and shows us what it means to be human and then climbs that holy hill of Mount Calvary, carrying his cross, dying on that cross, bearing on that cross the sins, the brokenness, the ugliness of each one of us in his own body, dying the death we should have died. As that shepherd king bears our sins for his subjects, dies, destroys sin and death for us, and rises again on the third day, just before his ascension into heaven, just before he goes to take his throne in heaven, at the very end of Matthew's gospel, the last verse, he brings us right back to the beginning of the Christmas story. Because he says to us, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. He brings us right back to Emmanuel, God with us. The king with his people. We are never alone in the dark. Why do we celebrate the birth of this king? Because this king is like no other king. The shepherds are here in this story to remind us that the one born king is born to be shepherd of his people. And the shepherd king will watch over us, care for us, guide us wandering sheep. And this shepherd king wants us, fully knowing who you and I are, and still wanting to be shepherd. But for our purposes tonight, the shepherd king is with us and with us still. With us in the dark. He's with us wherever we go. In our high moments and our low moments. In our best and in our worst. But you know where he's also uniquely present to his people? And this is why we gather every week on a Sunday and celebrate not just word, but sacrament as well. That as we gather at his table, he has promised that he will be with us in this meal. I close with the words of the English poet, John Betjeman, who writes this. No love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air, nor all the steeple-shaking bells can with this single truth compare that God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. Come and behold your shepherd king, for he is with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.